do you think someone's getting fired over this or is this a, a teachable moment? <laughs> I saw somebody say something that the downtime for Facebook ended up costing them like millions in the billions. Billions. Yeah. At least it happened during the day. People didn't get paged in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, you know what? I'm saying that the face, it's not like the Facebook stuff got messed up during some sort of 2 a.m. shift and people had to be woken up. Well, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, it was somewhere. For, yeah. It was absolutely, but I think that for from the perspective of the management and the bookkeepers at Facebook, they were, I'm sure they would have rather had gone down at 2 a.m. Right, 2 a.m. North American time, yeah, 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 because they mm. potentially lost billions from it being down. I was it like six hours, eight hours, something like that. I um, see. Yeah. So you value seven billion dollars more than people. <laughs> I'm not sleep, saying whatever. me. <laughs> I'm saying there is somebody. Somewhere, whether it's Zuckerberg or, or whatever, his minions that are going, I wish that would have happened at 2 a.m. Yeah, okay. And I absolutely have sympathy for the people that have to get up at 2 a.m. and to deal with something like that. But I mean, you know what? It makes me feel good when the big guys fall down because it's like, eh, right? No one has 100% of this stuff fi- figured out. It's, it's a very massive, complex system. And the fact that it works as well as it does is a miracle. You're listening to Working Code, and now your hosts, who wish they were Boolean, so the next time they're wrong, it's only by a bit. Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 44, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about Facebook's no good, very bad week. But first, as usual, we're going to start with our triumphs and fails, and Carol, you get to go first. Yay! I don't have, like a big triumph or a failure. I'm, things are just going okay. Things are going good. My kid got really sick a couple weeks ago, gave it to me. I'm recovering from it. I was on my butt, not going to lie. It, it kicked my butt again. I didn't have COVID, just like bronchitis. I was still all congested, lots of coughing. But things are just really good. Like It's good that I can get sick and just recover and go back to work. And I don't have like this giant pile of work waiting on me when I get back. It's just, things are just good. My family is good. Work's good. Check your baseline healthy privilege. I know, I know. It's, I I should know how to say it. I'm, things are okay. No, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. All right. It's all for me. Okay. I'll go next. Um, I am back on the testing horse. A while back, I put in this big effort to get better at testing and, or as I've been saying it lately, suck less at testing. (laughs) And I had some success, but I wasn't able to stay in it for long enough to really get my, my flywheel going, as I like to say. And I'm back in it and I feel like the, the flywheel hadn't completely stopped, right? I was sort of able to pick up where I left off a little bit, put a little bit of of energy back into it and, and keep it going again. I've learned more about mocking and and that's going really well. I feel like in some ways, maybe that break from it was beneficial, right? Like how you work on a problem for long enough, uh, it just becomes a thing where the problem is now sort of beating you and you need to walk away for a little (laughs) while and come back to it. And then you see it with fresh eyes and you do better. It's been kind of a similar situation with testing for me, or especially mocking. I, I thought I understood the mocking tools in jest and I was doing okay, but then every, it's like, Every time things changed, even just the tiniest little amount in structure or whatever, I would have to sort of stop and relearn mocking all over again. It was really frustrating. A couple of weeks away and back on it for a couple of days now, and and I'm really enjoying it and and doing great. And in addition to that, 
you guys know how much I like new stuff and, and getting mm-hmm. excited about new technology. Last week, I mentioned that I'd kind of been starting to play with Svelte and it looks really interesting. I'm really interested. It's still really early on the adoption curve. So I don't think it's something I would recommend to my company or to yours unless your risk tolerance is really high or you would prefer to put your innovation tokens there. We've talked about that a little bit before, but it's still really interesting. And I think my approach is going to be to play with it in personal stuff and then kind of keep it on my radar so that when it becomes really mature and, and a good option, I can be like, okay, now's the time. Let's do this in our company. And in addition to Svelte, I've also started playing with Tailwind. Now, I think Tailwind is way more mature and definitely recommendable. If you're not familiar with it, Tailwind is a, oh, how would I describe it? I would say it's like a class. It, yeah, well, so it's about utility classes, but the the thing that really made it click for me and, and like, why is it awesome? It's not just like a CSS file that has a bunch of utility classes in it. It's really kind of a JavaScript library that allows you or gives you tooling to create your own like CSS components, like style guide sort of situations, it's like hmm. build your own bootstrap, right? Wow. And what it does is you give it your colors or whatever, and you can set like a baseline font size or everything. And everything is sort of based on that. And so like your H1, H2, H3, H4, H5 are all sort of relatively sized from that so that you get good differentiation. And you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know it well enough to really try and like advocate for it here, but I was super, super impressed with it. And I'm definitely going to continue to learn about it. And as you can tell from this last minute of me talking nonstop, I'm pretty hyped on it. And and yeah, that's a, a triumphant thing for me. Yeah, people seem to really love Tailwind. I have not tried it yet, but the people at work that I've talked to that have used it yeah, swear by it. Yeah, it's funny because when somebody says to you, oh, it's a utility class thing, it sounds so dirty, right? You're like, oh, you just add like, instead of even just putting the style tag on your div to say, oh, add a margin that's this much, you just add a class name that you have to go look up for the same amount of margin, right? Like, that sounds dirty, but that's not what it is really at all. I mean, it kind of is, but it also isn't. And I'm just going to say you have to go look it up. There's a course for it on Egghead that I found really there's a couple of courses for it on Egghead.io that I found really interesting and, and helpful in that regard. But So you mentioned your jest and mocking, right? Mm-hmm. So over this past week, I clicked into my YouTube history to try mm-hmm. to find something. And I got laughed at because my searches are like jest, mocking with jest, <laughs> because I like to just turn on videos in the background, right? Mm-hmm. And I've just been like watching random things. And yeah, I totally got laughed at with my like history and YouTube. And I was like, by your children or by like, you know, by a friend. Yeah. Okay. I was like, you nerd. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not really a friend. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> That's how you can tell the, the acquaintances from the real friends, right? Your friends will make fun of you. Right. At least that's what I tell myself so that I feel like you guys are my friends. Yay. <laughs> we are. We love you. That's why we pick on you so bad. Exactly. All right. Uh, that's enough of my babble. Ben, what do you got going on, man? I'm going to go with a failure and I'm going to have trouble wording this, but essentially somebody said something to me at work that got under my skin way more than it should have. And it, it was something to the effect of it was suggested that I look into something beyond what was my quote unquote day job. And I feel like the quoting of day job, the whole thing made me feel like what I do at work is not respected Mm. and that somehow I'm one of these people 
who just shows up to work and punches their card and, and that's it, Ooh. which I, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing to begin with. There are people who work like mm. that's fine, but that's, it's that's not, not how I work. Like at you. the end of my day, I stop typing, but the work comes with me and I'm thinking about it all the time. And when I'm not thinking about work stuff specifically, I'm thinking about programming stuff. And it's mm-hmm. just this constant process in my mind when I'm walking the dog, when I'm showering, when I'm laying down in bed, I'm going over problems. I'm thinking about picking things apart. And there's no reason that I should doubt the effort that I put into my job. And the fact that somebody said something that made me feel angry, probably because it also made me feel guilty. It's just so disappointing in myself that I let it get to to you. It should be one of those things where I should just whip my hair. And, and like emo kid whip your hair. Yeah. <laughs> and it should just roll off my back. But I think I have so much insecurity. I have so much deep seated insecurity about how I'm perceived at work. I think mm. that, that these little stupid comments get to me. Was this, it was this more about like technique and understanding of general concepts or was this more about choice of tooling? The intonation of the conversation was such that I am at work perceived as I'm, I am perceived as doing a lot of experimental R and D stuff. Like I just research a lot of stuff and I'm playing constantly with Lucy, with CSS, with Mm -hmm. JavaScript. I'm just trying stuff. And the tone of the conversation was such that, Hey, maybe you should take some of that experimentation time and do something more useful for the company. Mm. which I do all that stuff in my free time. But all of that stuff ends up getting funneled back into the company anyway, because I'm experimenting with stuff that's been sparked by stuff I've been doing at work. And then the stuff that I do in my experimental time ends up influencing the way that I'm building stuff at work or changes the way that I want to put things together. So it's this just holistic exploration of code all the time. And the moment that anyone points at that, and diminishes it by saying, maybe I should be working on something more important. It just, my blood boils. I mean, this is at its core, I think it's an interpersonal issue. And whether that's on a larger scale or like a one-on-one sort of thing, I think so many problems, work and outside of work, boil down to communication issues, basically. Like being able to imagine other people complexly, right? Um it's so easy to put somebody in a box, whether or not they actually fit in that box or whatever. And once you put somebody in a box, it's that's how you think of them. Nobody you know, puts Ben in a box. <laughs> <laughs> What's in the box? Oh God. <laughs> two, two movie references in a row without even like a sentence between them. Goodness. I know, right? It's a portmanteau of memes. Carol got neither of them. <laughs> I didn't even know they were movie references. I yes. just thought no, they were making jokes. No, is no one puts baby in a corner from dirty dancing. Yeah. And what's the box from, was it seven? Seven. Yeah. Yeah. What's in the box? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, that's my failure. I I should just be more confident in my own abilities and not let people get under my skin. I mean, you're absolutely right that you could, and that would be a total, totally valid approach to, to dealing with that. But at the same time, and there are other approaches that you could consider too. It's an indicator that, at least one person outside of your team has that impression of wh- how you spend your time. Perceived impression. Right, right. Because yeah. Ben and might be 
reading. So my take on it is, I, and you spoke on the show that you had this anxiety about the legacy team going away, right? And so yep, yep. this may have been a comment that exact same words two years ago, you'd been like, man, whatever. My day job's mm-hmm. awesome. I'm good at it, right? But now you're feeling a little anxiety and the exact same words that in the past wouldn't have heard you because they didn't know the anxieties there. Or maybe That's they did. Possible. But I have felt very stressed and running on empty lately. So I think that's, I'm a little bit of a frayed wire, I think. And maybe stuff is cutting deeper than it should be. Oh yeah. There's always context. Yeah. Anyway, Tim, what do you got going on? Well, after that emotional outpour, I feel really bad for saying I have a triumph. Wow. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Uh, I mean, it's just good to be back on the road again. So you guys, thank you for holding up the show and waiting for me. Cause I was literally getting off a plane driving home to get here to hop on the show. Um, yeah, you didn't even put on pants. Oh, no, I have pants. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of pants, so I went to a trade show. It's an insure tech conference, right? So it's all about insurance using emerging technologies and stuff. And there's some really cool stuff there. But the, the pants story is, so when I was packing, <laughs> I realized it's been so long since I've gone on one of these things that I had nothing to wear. I had like one decent pair of khakis that had like a gravy stain. And so I just basically packed one pair of clothes, one, one outfit of clothes. And then when I got there, it was in Las Vegas. We're standing at the, uh, the Mandalay, went down to TJ Maxx and bought like three new outfits just so nice. I could have something to wear. Power move. So, which by the way, the TJ Maxx's in Vegas are amazing because they have all these high end stores and they're constantly rotating product. And like you can get, I got like Michael Kors outfits and just super high end stuff, like super cheap. So Hmm. not a plug for TJ Maxx, but we'll take a sponsorship. (laughs) It's just, I mean, there was so much energy at the show. I think the past like year and a half, almost two years, we haven't been going to these like face to face conferences. Everything's been over video. Everyone's just been dying to get out there and, and like, see people and talk to people and learn from people and hear presentations and go booths and learn about what people are doing and tell people about what you're doing. And that's one of the things I love about my job is that I can go from like coding today and then hopping on a plane and going talking to uh, COOs of CTOs of insurance companies and explaining what we do and how it can help them and then learning what their problems are and how we, how we can help solve it or where we need to like improve. And the best thing is, so our company has not ever been, we're kind of an engineer-led company. Like the founder was a mechanical engineer. Most of the people who were presidents or directors or software engineers, we've been terrible at sales and marketing. And this year we spent a lot of money on sales and marketing. This thing had about 8,000 people show up and we hosted a giant beer garden. Dang. So free beer for everyone. Holy Starting crap. at 1130 a.m., until 6 p.m. every day. <laughs> wow. 30 a.m. That's like, a lot of beer. That was a lot of beer. That was a lot of beer. And it was, it was good. It was like German beer. So it was very like Oberfest. And, and it, I mean, it was brilliant because like the hardest part about, you know, going, uh, any of you who've been to a trade show is getting people to come to your booth. Yep. We had lines of people coming to our booth to just come get beer. Of course, the hard part is like half of them are like your competitors. So you like, you let them have the beer because you have to. And you're like, salespeople like stand here like you're the bouncer right and you look at the tags and if it's an if it's a customer you talk to them right so we have people kind of intercepting and getting their badge numbers and talking to them but it was just really good it just felt so good to be in an in-person conference again i miss i i forgot how much i missed it. i was dreading going 
because I know how tiring it is. And I am absolutely, you can hear in my voice, I'm wrecked. (laughs) Absolutely wrecked. I mean, late nights, two, three, four a.m. every day. But man, it was so much fun. So we're going to need a follow up on how many referrals you got back from the beer garden. Like, (laughs) that's the thing. I mean, yeah, Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I would say it's like you spend that much money on it. Mm -hmm. You have to prove that it was worth it. Yeah. You need to make a sale. Yeah. Because that conference is going to be saying, Hey, so do you want to do that again next year? And you have to prove that, that, yep, we got it. It was worth its while. So that was my triumph. Just good to be back on the road again. Yeah. Very exciting. All right. Well, let's talk about Facebook. Yeah. Um, about there's that a lot to this say. week, eh? Even if there wasn't, even if it wasn't this week, there's still always plenty to talk about with Facebook. So this, of course, is the week that Facebook sort of infamously went offline for several hours. Facebook, and Instagram, WhatsApp. WhatsApp and mm-hmm. WhatsApp, yeah. And so there's some stuff we want to talk about there. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that happened shortly after they had a whistleblower. I think her name was Frances Haugen or Haugen basically exposed or leaked that they that Facebook paid for some research to be done on their effects on people. And the research showed that they're just bad for everybody's mental health. And Oof. instead of doing the responsible thing and trying to improve <laughs> the effects that they have on people, they were like, okay, but it's really profitable. So we're going to ignore that, that under the rug and yeah. maybe even exploit it to our benefit and try to profit from it. So that's going on as well. And, and then also there's this whole, the whole uh, like remote to work thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That came out. So the, there was like this post on Daily Mail or something been mentioned a little earlier in the, before we started recording. And it basically came out and said that they were going to force everyone back into an office in a few months. But Facebook came out and said that that wasn't right. So they said that they haven't changed their policy, that nothing has been amended. And that whole article was completely crap. So maybe they're just like trying to backpedal it immediately. Yeah. Cause I mean, that just happened (laughs) today. Yeah. I mean, as we're recording, like this was today, it came out. So yeah, they were like, nope, we didn't say that. That was (laughs) the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we have not changed our remote work policy and we'll let you know if we do. Hopefully. That's accurate. I mean, yeah. I was just sitting here thinking because forcing everybody to go back into the office works so well for Yahoo. Mm. Yeah. What happened to that? I mean, Yahoo's still around or is it? I think I, I like yeah, Yahoo I mean, Finance. That's the only thing I use Yahoo. I think a lot of their IP still exists, but it's like been bought by Verizon or something like that. Mm. I think that I'm, I'm almost oh, positive I- that Yahoo had bought Flickr and Flickr one way or another, whether it's just as a wholesale part of Yahoo or individually was sold to, I'm sure, I'm not sure, I'm pretty sure it was Verizon. Mm-hmm. Which just seems like an odd thing for them to acquire, but okay. Anyway, let's talk about this stuff. So where do you guys want to start? I don't really know anything about it other than what I saw people talking about. Let's start with remote work. Yeah. Because we all work remotely now. We've talked about this stuff a little bit in the past. If you... If you got a directive from your company that you are going to be expected to start showing up in the office again, would you consider it or would you start looking for new employment? Personally, I'd start looking for new employment. Mm. I want a company that values my health and puts that ahead of whatever goals they have and employees matter. When you say your health, is Mm -hmm. that specifically because the pandemic stuff is not over yet? 
It's not done. Yeah. And every time okay. you keep having these mass gatherings of people not vaccinated, then yeah. you keep having these big outbreaks of it. And I mean, we're seeing it now. My kid's in public school. I'm not pulling him out of public school and he got COVID again, yeah. even though he's vaccinated. So, I mean, it just, it sucks, but I don't want to work where I'm going to constantly be exposed to it either. I mean, we don't yeah. have long-term side effects. And I realized I probably should have said in my getting back on the road, this, the show was a fully vaccinated show. Yeah. supposedly, but it's like, they, it was scouts honor, right? You just basically okay. said, I'm not sick. I've been vaccinated. So that's interesting. We'll see how that so goes. This last weekend, I was down at George Washington university for an event for my company and they had, it was a big event. They had um, two years worth of commencements to do because last year got postponed oh, right. and it was their bicentennial. Oh. Um, and I think there was an, and I think there was another thing going on too. So between all of this stuff, they had something like, I want to say 26,000 registrations for this event. Wow. Crazy. Holy cow. It was ridiculous. But something that made me feel really good about it all was that they had their lines, stanchion lines or whatever. But before they even got to the desk where they could check in for the event, they had to go through COVID screening. They had to mm-hmm. provide their vaccination card or whatever else. I don't know. But before they got to us, they were screened for being vaccinated vaccinated and it wasn't just a oh yeah i did it yeah it was show show us the proof i, I say that they, i did have to show my uh, vaccination card and if you also had testing there and you had to wear a mask the entire time yeah aws is doing reinvent in person this year so we just got the information at work and it is fully vaccinated you have to prove you have to show your card and even to even you know get registered for it so i'm glad conferences are coming back yeah and i like it's, the back status back to the employer yeah, thing sorry, i mean yeah if they just said everyone has to come back, I would think that would be, it just kind of shows a posture of we're going to do what we say. Right. Right. After they've shown, I don't think any company has shown that there's been a huge negative impact to remote working. Right. If they were able to make it work, they still got stuff done. Right. Just in different ways. So that's, I would say it, maybe if a company said, here's your options mm-hmm. and we're fine with you choosing. It. And that's kind of what we're doing. Option is you can come back full time if you want through the office. If you like to do a hybrid, you don't want to do three days, two days, can't have your own dedicated office, but we have these floating off kind of floating offices. You can come in, plug in, do whatever. And if you want to work remotely from home, hundred percent, that's fine too. So it's sort of a hybrid approach of what works for you. And you know what? Sometimes I, I go in because it just makes more sense. And sometimes I, most of the time I stay home because it doesn't make any sense. None of my direct reports are even in the state. So <laughs> why should I go to an office? And But if there's meetings we have to do or customers visiting, I'll go in. That's not a problem. Hmm. So just, I think giving people options rather than mandates is it shows more employee mm-hmm. faith than it is to just be like, you guys all do what I say because mother knows best. And <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's I do. definitely I mean, a big culture thing, right? Like, do you value the opinions and the desires of your workers versus right. you work for me? You're going to do what I say. Mm-hmm. So Ben, you're being kind of quiet and it's funny. I have, I I can kind of picture you going either way on this, right? Like I know you guys had an office, have an office. Had, I mean, so at the previous company, currently Envision is a spinoff of a previous company and the previous company had an office where we started to dabble with remote work even then. And then Envision was entirely remote from day one. Okay. I don't think I could, certainly I couldn't go back to an office full time. It's just too darn comfortable being at home mm-hmm. 
and too many amenities, not to be, not to go blue here, but I have my own bathroom and like, right. that's a nice amount of privacy. And when it's hot, I sweat and it's nice not to be in an office sweating. It's much better to be at home sweating. And I got my dog and I got the missus and I got my, I don't know. It's just really nice being from You home. can wear shorts. I, or I wear shorts all year round, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I, I was thinking about this maybe sometime earlier this year. And I think coming at it from an established adult in quotes, it feels probably very different than it would be if I were just coming into the workforce and I wasn't in a relationship and I didn't maybe have a lot of friends in the area that I lived. I feel like I'd want that workspace to be able to go to, to socialize with people. Now I'm married, not having people to socialize with. It's like, fine. It's now it's more time to spend with my family Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. But you know, yes. if, if this were 15 years ago. Yeah. I mean, that's where you make friends is where probably, it'd probably be a different story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Single during COVID sucks. Just going to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> it is not, it's not a way to live. Yeah. So I, I think I could see myself going back into an office once or twice a week, maybe, but I, I almost feel like I would use that once or twice a week to just remind myself about how great the other four <laughs> days of the week are. Yep. Plus, if with the hybrid model, who's to say that the people you want to see are also showing up to the office the same days that you go in? Exactly. Right. You still have to coordinate everything. Yeah. And I don't like Tim's way of having to share like a desk. Like, I want my own space. I want well, to like, leave my yeah, coffee yeah. cup there overnight and not worry about it. <laughs> also, that, I mean, that's a great point about sharing spaces. Do you bring your computer with you yeah. or do you have a computer at home and Probably a, computer a laptop? At work? Yeah. yeah. A laptop usually. And it, I'm assuming most, most like places I've worked at, you have pretty much the same hardware for engineers, right? So we all have the same kind of dockability. Like mm-hmm. we, the same dock should work on almost all of our machines. Yeah. That's how it works there. So we basically have like every desk has, uh, it's most of them are standing desks, three monitors at least and a dock. So Jeez. you can just come in, up your laptop on the table plug into the dock and you're ready to go and mouse keyboard. Everything's there. Only thing missing oh, no. is the laptop. Gross. You lost Never me. Again. Nope. You lost me a mouse and keyboard done. I'm saying BYO mouse and keyboard. You can bring your own. You can bring your own. To go off on a tangent really quickly. I've been on a MacBook pro for the last, I don't know, 10 years almost, I think. And I'm so sick and tired of having a MacBook. I want uh, what I mean is, I would really love to have a nice iMac, something that uh-huh. just has more RAM in it and more processing power and the fan doesn't turn on the moment I start moving the mouse. But I'm so terrified of this idea that like once a year, I'll have to go somewhere mm-hmm. and have a computer and I'm going to be SOL if I have an iMac and I don't, I, I can't get over that emotional fear. Well, I mean, I I did exactly that. I mean, I built myself a Hackintosh rather than buying like an iMac. But as far as the computer knows, it's an iMac, right? Because you have to uh, kind of fill in what kind of machine is it when you're installing it. And I did it for those reasons, right? I I wanted, I needed a new machine Mm -hmm. to to start. And it was either going to be buying myself another MacBook Pro or build something. And I, at this point, it would be a huge deal for me to move off of Mac OS just in terms of productivity, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. And so what I did was I built myself this machine and I bought, I think it's got 64 gigs of RAM and like the best processor I could get at the time, decent motherboard. And it's got like integrated graphics because it's 
I'm working, right? Like terminal is sort of the most graphically demanding thing that I use, or I guess the web browser and, and SSDs and M2. Is that what they're called? M2 SSDs or whatever? Anyway, yeah, I spent a a buttload of money on this really fast hardware and it's great, except I can't move from this like two foot by four foot area right right here because my computer doesn't move with me. Now it's, I have three monitors here in front of me and it's wonderful until like, I just want to go work on a personal project on the couch while I watch TV with my wife or it's gorgeous weather outside and I want to go sit on the deck and work something like that. I'm I'm not worried about the personal stuff. I'm so comfortable at my desk. I don't want to be anywhere else to work. Right. I mean, it I means just like like I have my ergonomic keyboard. I have my my vertical mouse. I have my comfy desk. For me, it's it is purely 100% work related. Meaning, I'm afraid that I'm going to have an on site work event yep. and they're going to need me to bring a computer. Yeah, and, and I mean the, that's exactly my situation. There'll be too. other computers there, though, Ben. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I mean that same situation, right? Like I talked about, I was at that event last weekend, and I, I had to take my ancient swelling MacBook Pro <laughs> with me to that event, and I was like, swelling. okay, why is it swole, bro? <laughs> it's it's it, it, it the battery former yeah it's battery. I was trying to make a, a joke about it being Project Huge with Ben, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. And so basically I was just like, okay, well, I'll wear my flame proof pants and I'll be all right. And then you can't catch COVID if you're on fire, right? It burns all the germs. I set the laptop aside when it stopped, when it started being dangerous to use it. And Mm. in part because it was dangerous, but also in part because like I knew I wanted to replace it with something with top end uh, hardware, like my desktop. And I knew I would need the laptop occasionally to go on the Mm. road. And fortunately... I think COVID kind of extended the useful life of that laptop by at least a year, if not longer, because I didn't have to go anywhere. And so it just sat cold on the shelf, not swelling anymore. When it gets cold, it doesn't swell. <laughs> See, now we can take you out of context. <laughs> I'm talking about the batteries. The Oh, God, I can't even keep my thoughts straight with you right uh. now. Yeah. So anyway, all that to say. I completely agree with you, Ben. And I am, (laughs) even though I have this fantastic machine, which I am not at all outgrowing in terms of performance yet, I am sitting here like with a credit card in each hand waiting for the October (laughs) Apple event. Like, come on, announce the new MacBook Pros and I'm going to (laughs) buy at least one of them. That's funny. Bringing it back to Facebook. Uh, yeah. What was it they said the bottom line, the root cause of the outage was? Oh, yeah, to the outage, right? So they were saying network related, right? Like someone changed some DNS, yeah. settings got updated, so, and then nobody had access to go fix it. I wanted to ask you guys about this. So, I mean, I, I understand how DNS works to some extent. I have managed my own domains for years and I, I understand the different types of records and that sort of thing. But then I, when there was, when I was reading up on what happened here, somebody mentioned BGP mm-hmm. and that was the first time I had ever heard of BGP. And yeah, heard of that. I'm like, it, it, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And I was wondering if any of you guys have any experience or oh, any knowledge yes. about this stuff. So like, okay, Tim, what's going on here? So when I read, when I read BGP was the problem, it, it, I had a PTSD moment. <laughs> I, I was totally triggered. So border gateway protocol is what that stands for. It's kind of like the, the postal service of the internet. So you're sending messages to each of these routers. The routers basically use BGP to figure out, all right, where does this need to go in network chain to get closer to its destination, right? So mm-hmm. it's a BGP is constantly being announced across the network. I'm completely explaining this wrong. So anyone who really knows about it, 
will correct me, but obviously Facebook engineers can't even do that because they obviously <laughs> don't know how PGP works either. So what, what the PTSD that got me was, so when we were, we had, our, we have a, a hosting facility here in Georgia and it was only on one internet provider, which is bad. And it had actually, it had an occasion where there was some construction going down the street and they hit the internet line and we were out, hosted customers were out for you know, a good part of a day. So we rearranged everything, got multiple providers coming in. And so what the role that BGP plays is that whenever you're running on like your main provider and all of a sudden there's an outage, BGP is supposed to send out, you're supposed to do a BGP update and it can be done automatically. It can be done manually. We were doing it automatically. It goes out to the world and says, Hey, I know that you think that this message should go to mailbox here, box being, you know, Sorry, sorry, a network switch or something, yeah. But actually, it needs to go here now. It's a forwarding address. Mm-hmm. So when we actually did have an outage, it worked. So we spent all this money, all this time, trying to make sure that our networks be homed, that we, so we wouldn't have downtime when there was construction going on and someone with a ditch witch accidentally hits your fiber line. It happened, and it went down, and all just yelling, Leo, why did we spend all this money? Well, the word BGP <laughs> just kept coming up and up and again. Obviously, it seems very cryptic. It's one of those things that you never have to touch because it's normally not used. And if you misconfigure it, it's really hard because this is propagated across the entire internet. And so you mm-hmm. can fix it right now. Doesn't mean you fix the problem across just the entire like DNS itself, range. Yeah. Worse than DNS because I, I don't know if it just doesn't update even more or I, I don't know what it was. But it, we made the update because there was a configuration change problem, probably similar to what Facebook had. It was not announcing the right address. It was try, it was announcing the wrong address. And so even though technically we had net access coming into our servers, no one was being able to talk to us because it was going the wrong place. It was yeah. still pointing to the wrong route. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. It was pointing, well, it was pointing to not the original route, but a different route. Right? right. So, and it sounds to me like that's kind of what happened with Facebook. The story though, I read today, apocryphal, because I don't know if it's true or not. It's, but saying that once said that a friend of theirs from Facebook, so confirmed source, basically said that, that they had to go to the server room cages that didn't have any locks and just use an angle grinder to cut open the cage so they can get into the machines to manually, <laughs> to manually to directly connect to them to be able to change the settings so that they get back up and running. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. You've, we heard stories about like nobody could get into conference rooms at Facebook because it was all IoT access. And That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, so th- that triggered me because th- I was sat in many a meetings trying to understand and then the after action, why didn't this work? And the only thing I heard like 5,000 times in that meeting was the word BGP. To right. this day, hearing it <laughs> makes me itch. So it, let me maybe explain the, my understanding that I've gained from hearing your description and let's see if I'm on the right page here. So it sounds like... I configure my DNS and I say, okay, or like with my name server, right? And I say, this is the address for this domain, right? My my blog or whatever. And then BGP sounds like it's the magic that the routers work between themselves so that they all know that when you request my blog domain, it should go over there. Like maybe not the direct final destination, but it's like, okay, I know that in order to get there, you have to go to this one. So you have to go to X, not Y. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it controls the hops. Yeah. yeah. So how I imagine it is that each, um, router, each, you know, node in the internet is kind of like play the old fashioned medieval game where you're traveling down the road 
and there's a sign or maybe the sign's out. And there's a guy, legends, old legends of Zelda. There's a guy standing in the corner. You're trying to get to the castle and you say, hello, sir, where's the castle? He says, oh, there's like two roads going. It's that road to the north. And you take that road and you get to the next one. There's three. Each hop, Mm -hmm. they tell you where to go. Mm -hmm. That is BGP. The DNS is like, is the castle, right? What it's called. But how you get to it on each hop is the BGP part. Right. But it sounds like it's more, it's less of a on-demand evaluation and more of a push mapping right situation yeah. so as it continues to update across the internet some of the internet is telling you that the destination for the castle is up north and some of the internet is telling you the destination for the castle is down south mm-hmm. and so yeah. you get conflicting reports and some things get there some things don't nothing gets there sometimes so it's yeah and the end can be a complete dead route at that point yeah for sure yeah yeah there was one point <sighs> I wish I could remember when it was like, I'd have to go look it up, but like, I want to say Pakistan, maybe tried block, tried using it to block YouTube from being used inside their country. So like, Mm -hmm. okay, we're not going to allow anybody here on our ISPs to actually watch anything on YouTube. Well, they then propagated that path accidentally out to the other systems. So then it ended up taking YouTube down for hours because other people trying to access it ended up on those routes. Hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. Yep. Kind of like a DNS poisoning attack sort of yeah. thing. Pretty yeah. Much. Unintentional. Yeah. But, yeah. When I was younger, there was something called Dyn DNS, which was some sort of dynamic yep. DNS. That's still around. Is yeah. that, what did that do? That was like if you had a domain name, but the underlying IP address changed and you didn't want to have to change it. So Dyn yeah, DNS I mean, would automatically manage I use that. that. So I have uh, a NAS and I want that certain things on my NAS, like things running in Docker containers to be accessible to me from my computer or from my phone when I'm outside of my home. Mm-hmm. And so I have something running on my router, which is exactly what Dynamic DNS was doing, DynDNS. There's a bunch of different services. And basically, my ISP assigns me a new random IP address in their block every time I disconnect and reconnect. And this app running on my router just goes out and updates a DNS record anytime that IP address changes. So I can just access it by host name ah. and, and I don't have to worry that my IP address has yeah. changed or not. Yeah. I use the same thing for my, I have an old video security system, new ones that I'll take care of it. But yeah, this one, I have an external IP that constantly changes, but I, so I have a little domain name and Don DNS kind of updates it. It's a little program that runs on the computer and just constantly says, Oh, my IP is this now. So mm, gotcha. It stays real. Okay. So do you think someone's getting fired over this or is this a, a teachable moment? <laughs> <laughs> I saw somebody say something that the downtime for Facebook ended up costing them like millions in the billions. Billions. Yeah. No, I, last yep. I saw was millions in revenue loss. Mm, Not surprising. Billions with a B. That's crazy. At least it happened during the day. People didn't get paged in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, you know what? I'm saying that the face, it's not like the Facebook stuff got messed up during some sort of 2 a.m. shift and people had to be woken up. Well, I mean, I'm sure. And, I mean, it was somewhere. For yeah. It was, absolutely. But I think that for, from the perspective of the management and the bookkeepers at Facebook, they were, I'm sure they would have rather had gone down at 2 a.m., right? 2 a.m. North American time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they mm. potentially lost billions from it being down. What was it like six hours, eight hours, something like that? I um, see. Yeah. So you value seven billion dollars more than people. <laughs> I'm not sleep, saying. Whatever. Me. <laughs> I'm saying there is somebody 
somewhere, whether it's Zuckerberg or, or whatever, his minions that are going, I wish that would have happened at 2 a.m. Yeah, okay. And I absolutely have sympathy for the people that have to get up at 2 a.m. and to deal with something like that because like I have mentioned in the past, I'm on a very small team and we rotate uh, a week on and two weeks off of uh, on call and it happens, man. I'm going to mm-hmm. get quacked. Sorry about that. And yeah, I mean, it, it's a necessary evil. But I mean, you know what? It makes me feel good when the big guys fall down because it's like, eh, right? No one has a hundred percent of this stuff fi- figured out. It, it's a very massive, complex system. And the fact that it works as well as it does is a miracle. And it's hard to feel bad for them days after you find out that they're exploiting people's emotions for literal profit. The teenage girls. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like we've known this, right? Like the, that just Instagram is, uh, I mean, obviously 99% of social media is bad for 99% of people baseline. Right. (laughs) Tend to agree. But I think that I, I feel like I've seen this study in recent years, like within the last five years that showed that, Instagram in particular is bad for young girls in particular, just because of the social structures that they build up in their age groups and how that involves Instagram and and all that. And it's all about image. Yeah. And about popularity and Mm -hmm. yeah. And, but like, I'm struggling to separate that from what we're, we, what we've learned this week. And really, I think for me, what does it is that what we learned this week is that Facebook has known for a long time and ignored it yeah. intentionally for a long time and just continued to try and profit from it. Right. And it makes me wonder why they did the study in the first place. Did they really think it was going to come up with a different answer that it was Facebook, like social media was good for you? <laughs> well, I mean, there's a long history of companies that are bad for you funding research specifically to prove that they're not bad for you, like like tobacco mm, and sugar industry, yeah. Lead and yeah. So maybe now it's more lead. <laughs> <laughs> lead flavored cigarettes. Coated in sugar. I think with the, the whistleblower thing, there's a broader story about dealing with I, I, I don't well, I don't want to characterize it as a disgruntled employee, right? So they were a former employee and they were mm-hmm. telling stuff about Facebook that I, I don't know. Have they proved that the claims are true? I mean, has Facebook denied it? I don't know. I don't know that. Cause I mean, either. we need to know that, right? I mean, it's like you, you do have sometimes former employees who are angry and they're just going to do everything they can to like disparage their former employer, even perhaps even lying. Maybe they're telling the truth. Maybe mm-hmm. they're not. I mean, unless it's been confirmed studies come out, we don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that they have lawyers that are saying it's not true. I guess into a legal battle. Yeah. But I mean, what's, what I think what's interesting is that on its face, I mean, this sounds so, it sounds like a truism, even regardless of the fact that if it's true or not, everyone just goes, oh yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Checks Absolutely. Out. Checks the boxes. We all know that. I know that it's not good for folks. We see so... I, I don't know if I told you guys a story went to, when we went to Hawaii a couple of years ago for our 20th anniversary. It's like saw this couple on the beach and she's on the beach there in Malibu spending the entire time. He, her boyfriend is like taking photos of her. You could tell she's just trying to get the, the shots for the gram. And, and then mm-hmm. she spends, so he takes all these photos. She, he gives the phone back to her and 
there they are in beautiful Hawaii. Sunset's going down. It's gorgeous. My wife and I are swimming and having a good time and eating and enjoying the view. And I'm just looking over there. She, she did not once stop and enjoy the view. She sat there editing her photos mm-hmm. for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> trying to get the perfect pic to put up there. And I'm like, really? Your life is going by you, lady. <laughs> you know, I have to admit, this happened to me one time. I was up in uh, Vermont with the, the missus and the dog. And we went down near the water and it was sort of this beautiful sunset. So I took Lucy, the dog, and I put her up on this pedestal, like an actual I love that you have pedestal. to clarify. <laughs> the two women in your life. So, so I have the dog there. And in the background, it's this beautiful sunset, pink and, and purple and yellow clouds. And I take this picture and I'm sitting there on the bench in my on my iPhone, editing the photo as best I can. And after like 10 minutes, my wife was like, you have to get off your phone immediately. <laughs> I was like, no, but it's so close. She's like, no. You can do it later. Exactly. <laughs> right. You can edit it. I'm later. Right there. That, fo- that photo's not going anywhere. Yeah. No, I, I'm in the camp. Like, take a few photos and then enjoy your time there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's like living better. with something between me and what's going on. Like, Christmas, it always drove me nuts when my mom was like, record the kids and post it for me. I'm like, no, I just want to sit here and watch my kids. I don't mm-hmm. want to have something in between me and what's going on. Like, I want to enjoy the moment. It's funny. So the Bruno Mars was in concert in Vegas and he took everybody's phones and they had, they put him in this phone jail. So you still, you could hold on to it. So you didn't like put it in these cases and you weren't allowed to get them until after the show, which I think is brilliant because like you spend the whole concert Mm -hmm. not enjoying the show yet with the camera in front of your face looking at an image representation of that. And then like, who's ever going to like watch that and enjoy that? Yeah. It, it's not a great quality photo. And even uh, started singing, we took all your phones. We took all your phones. We all knew that the social media side's bad for kids. That's not anything wow. new. Is it, was it kids or just everybody? Yeah, I mean, I a, a lot of it's focused on like young females though. And they have the, the worst time. They do. I mean, when you look at, I mean, I just, I hate filters. Number one, like I hate filters on pictures. It gives you like this skewed view of what is reality and what is okay. And it makes you feel like you alone are not enough anymore. Mm. And you have to take out your imperfections to be okay. And for a 13 year old girl who's figuring out her body and growing, that's not a good thing. I mean, to constantly feel that pressure of you're not perfect. And these filters just prove that what you are as you are isn't perfect. So mm-hmm. you feel filters alone is a bad thing. So then when you add the the bullying and you add the people not liking your posts and the whole instant gratification once you post something like it's just a giant mess. I hate social media. Yeah, I don't let my kid I mean my son's 18. He's still in high school. I, n- neither one of my daughter's 16. I don't let them have they, there's no social media for them. Oh, um, that's good. Nice. Just it's too disruptive because the you know, my son he we took him out of school last year because of covid so he had this big growth spurt so he comes back and he's like tall and he's like chiseled chin and he's been working out he's a good looking kid and like so the like so the freshman girls he's playing basketball the freshman girls are like like sending the girl over to find out the two information they wanted to find out is one are you gay <laughs> that's the first question and two do you have instagram yeah. and he's like no and no <laughs> So when awesome. James went off to college, he deleted all his social media. Really? He was like, this is just stupid. And I don't 
want people knowing what's going on in my life. Number one, like I don't want my parents seeing if I screw up one night. So I don't want people tagging me. And <laughs> that's really smart. Honestly. I mean, and then he's also like, if you want to know what's going on in my life, be in my life. Yep. So Yo, yeah. Words of wisdom. Smart is smart kids. That is very do good. You, yeah. Do you remember when the check-in services like Foursquare yeah. first came yeah. out? Yeah. Someone had created this site called please break into my apartment or something. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was basically every time people would check in somewhere else, it yeah. would tell you that they are not home and it would have their, <laughs> where they checked in at home. Yeah. I mean, just to show you how ridiculous it is, how much information people share. Yep. Yeah. Also, you can be the mayor of Starbucks or whatever. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. yeah, I, forgot, yeah about I that. forgot about that. Yeah. So yeah. Tim, actually you mentioned neither of your kids has social media. Is that something that you decided for them? Oh yes. I'm their okay. father. And well, I meant that as a, you and your wife, right? Like it's a parenting decision that you guys made. That's not a a decision that your children made for themselves. No. So, but you do have some social media. I know you are less active on Twitter, less active on Instagram. You have, you're moderately active on Facebook. I know. Do you have some cognitive dissonance there? Is, do you feel, I'm not trying to make you feel that I'm not judging you. I'm just asking your read here. Do you, are you, do you feel a little bit hypocritical there? No, or, no, okay. because I'm a, I'm a grown man who knows who he is. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And people can bully me if they want it. I'm, I'm not going to cry. I'll just block them or make yeah. them cry. Yeah. They're not ready for it. Right. And plus mm-hmm. they're under age and there's just that there are people that just will camp on some young person's account and try to figure out where they live and what they do and what they like and put them in a compromising situation. So when they leave the house, they can go do whatever they want. But as of now, no, no social media. I do let them use discord, which I don't really consider social media. They watch like gaming and stuff like that. And their friends can chat with them, but they're not posting stuff about themselves. And they do have my, my son does have a blog. With mm-hmm. his, I bought his name as a domain name, but that you can control, right? That's right. you only putting out what you want on there. And right. It's not so super easy just to take a random pick and tag it, whatever. Right, yeah, yeah. He's writing articles. I mean, he's mostly it's about blacksmithing what he's into. So, I mean, I know I'm kind of turning this into my personal parenting uh, advice column here, but so did they, did your kids like beg you for social media and you just had to constantly turn them away or nope. did they just no, agree with I, you? I, I don't, I, I you know this is a parenting conference here, but early on I established that when we say no, it's for a good reason mm. and that we don't ever go back on that. Okay. That's good. And so, and yeah. it's not no forever. Right. So whenever we say no, we're like, no, we don't think you're ready for that. Now mm-hmm. we can reevaluate that later. Okay. And, and they get that. Right. So they have never once said they did want discord. They said, can we do discord? Cause I like the, there's some good gaming stuff on there. And I, so I was like, well, let's take a look at it together. How we evaluated, how easy it, is it for people to find out who you are? It's actually not very easy. What will you be posting on it? Nothing. But mostly they'll just be consuming. So based on that criteria, yeah, we can do that. So I I think we have a healthy relationship where we can say no, Mm -hmm. not right now. You're not ready. And they they respect that. And when they think they're ready, they'll come back and ask and we'll reevaluate it. Yeah, I mean, I'm very selfishly asking these things because my kids are 10 and 12 and they're knocking on the door of that that age group. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a scary place to be a kid these days. Lots to think about. Yeah, I mean, I've explained that to my kids. Like, they have challenges ahead of them that I didn't have. Right? They they have the opportunity 
to put things on the internet and that once they're on the internet, there's no taking it back. It doesn't go away. Yeah. And I've, I have, I mean, I have boys, I have stressed to them (laughs) repeatedly and very clearly. And like, I'm pointing out like, this is a big deal. Nudity of anybody of yourself or of anybody else is not to be put online because not only can that ruin your life, that can ruin somebody else's life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in most states, that's distribution of child porn, even yeah. if yeah. it's just two min- minor syndicates themselves, and they mm-hmm. can get in legal trouble for that. Yep. yep, 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 yep. So, yeah, I mean, social media, it's, it has its benefits. I mean, we can, I can keep up with my family across the sea and, and do yeah. all that. But yeah, it's a tool that has to be used wisely. And unfortunately, big companies are profiting off our personal lives. Yeah. I mean, if you're not paying for it, you're the product. Exactly. True, true. Cool. All right. Well, then this episode of Working Code was brought to you by the Instagram filter that makes you look like a dirty slob. (laughs) (laughs) And listeners like you. Wait, wait. That's really me. (laughs) (laughs) That's just the no filter. No filter. That's that's no filter. (laughs) If you like what we're doing here, you might want to consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash workingcodepod. To thank our patrons for their support, they all get an invite to our Discord server where we hang out and chat about the podcast and work stuff and life stuff. And we have other perks available like early access to new episodes and the after show. And of course, we need to thank our top patrons, Monty and Peter. Thank you guys so much for your support. As a matter of fact, Monty just recently got a new job and he asked us to pass along that his company is hiring. They're looking for senior CFML developers. So if that's you and you are looking for a new gig and they say they have pretty good work-life balance, he works at CF Web Tools. So that's cfwebtools.com. Should be pretty easy to spell, I think. Cool. So if paying for podcasts isn't your thing, no worries. We appreciate you taking the time to listen. And there are some free ways that you can help us out too. You can share this show with your friends and your coworkers, just not with an Instagram filter. Or you can leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please send us questions and show topic ideas on Twitter or Instagram at Working Code Pod, or you can leave us a message at 512-253-2633. That's 512-253-CODE. We'll catch you next week. And until then... Your heart matters. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code. I'll read it while you guys do triumph failures. Okay, if you say so. Mm-hmm. I think you can do that. Multitasking. I'm a mom. Are you kidding me? Yeah, well... I can listen and talk at the same time. I can barely listen to myself. Sometimes I can chew gum doing it. And yeah, so I mean, basically when it started to get swollen, I stopped using it because I was like, <laughs> okay, I might, uh, I mean, obviously. Yeah, can we yeah, take yeah, that yeah. out of context, please? No. I just did. Can we please take that out of context? <laughs> yes. All right. That needs, to be, that needs to be a blooper reel right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I stopped using my laptop, how do I even say this now? <laughs> Whatever. So, so bringing it back to Facebook. Hey, is somebody what? making a zipper sound? Yes, Tim is. Yes, sorry. Oh, okay. That's me. There's another I, blooper for you. Yeah. <laughs> I get, I, so when I went to TJ Maxx, I got, I got these North Face pants, and they have all these zippers, and I'm just enamored with them. Oh. So, sorry. Hands out of your zipper, okay? Come on, Tim. Oh, oh wow. This show. Okay. <laughs>